Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, Duke fans. Episode 597 of the DBR, the Duke Basketball Roundup, your podcast home for Duke Basketball news. I am Jason Evans. I'm here with my buddy, Donald Wine. Donald, every year when we face Miami, this is your, man, this is like right down your lane. You are one of those few, there are probably not a lot of people like you out there who are big fans of Duke, but who also passionately follow Miami. You know what, for people who are new, because tell people why you follow Miami so much. Well, it's very simple. I went to law school there. Um, so I went to Duke undergrad and went to Miami for law school. And uh, it's funny, you know, Jason, I tell this story. I think I've told this story on the show before. But when I was graduating Duke, I was applying to law schools everywhere. Um, I got into Miami and I go, okay, let me see what's up. Because the funny thing is, is my parents would not allow me to go to Miami or even consider Miami for undergrad. There's a reason for that. It's long, it's longer story than probably should be in this podcast. I'll shorten it by saying, if you've been in Miami, you understand. So uh, I, I go down to Miami. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You're not going to leave that there. I... The 
the, Can you the elaborate a little tiny bit? The distractions of Miami would be <laughs> forth that people would be hard to graduate. So I go down there to visit and I go down by myself. My parents don't come with me. I literally call them from a car on South Beach like, yo, I'm coming here for law school. And they're like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, why are you cool with it now? I was like, they're like, well, you're older, you're grown. Like, you can make your own decision, but you understand why, you know, we, yes. we told you not to go there and not to apply. So I, this was back when they were in the Big East. So in my mind, I, I commit and say, hey, I'm going to go to Miami. I got a Big East school and I got an ACC school. It's all good. I never have to worry about them playing each other or anything like that. Three days after <laughs> I said on. I was going to Miami. Come on. They joined the ACC. <laughs> so that's awesome. Every year since it has been, especially in football, they this when they did the divisions, they said, Hey, we're gonna stick Miami in the division with Duke. And I'm like, great. So I get to see Miami every single year. And every year in football and in basketball, we have this wine bowl of sorts. So here we are. Uh we're we're getting there. It's been it's a little later in the year than we normally have it, but you know, here we go. It's about to happen. Yeah, and it's a big deal game for the Blue Devils as we are locked at the top of the standings alongside UNC, just a sliver ahead of Virginia. Uh, also, as we detailed on the podcast over the weekend, Duke is battling for one of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I loved, folks, if you have not listened to that whole episode, to hear what Scott Rich had to say about the way the tournament committee appears to be valuing the ACC, perhaps a little more than expected, and I think Scott really nailed something when he was like, look, the team that wins the ACC, the if there's a team that can clearly say we're the best team in the ACC, that team's probably getting a two seed. Uh, so that path for Duke seems to be right there. But part of that path is winning games like this one against Miami. Right. You got to beat the games. You obviously, got to play the teams in front of you, but you got to beat the teams that you should be beating. And the funny thing is, Jason, when we talk about Miami – is when we fast, if we go back to the beginning of the season, the preseason, Miami was supposed to be right up there with Duke and you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's been a very disappointing season in that regard for Miami. It's it's Coach L is a, one of the legendary coaches in this game. And the fact that Miami, he's been in Miami for so long, it feels like he hasn't been there that long, but he's been there for quite a long time. And it's interesting. This is probably the worst team, at least on the floor, the way they play that he's had because it just does not seem they're responding well yeah. to a lot of different things that are going on in that environment. But Jason, as we look at the records, well, well, well hang yeah, on. I was going to say just really quick, because uh, we're going to get to the records. We're going to do the mm -hmm. advanced metrics. Like always, we'll take a little break then. And then we'll come back. And we're going to talk about the specific players to watch this Miami team. There are a lot of really interesting stories regarding this team. But, but the thing I wanted to say was, cause you were talking about coach Laranega, Laranega, uh, he, it feels like he's checked out a little bit. Like there have been a number of games where like there's a timeout and he's just kind of sitting there on the bench. Not that I'm not saying that happens often or all the time, but he is not perhaps as engaged as we have seen him in, in recent years. I would say I would go so far as to say it's not necessarily that he's disengaged, but he's kind of thrown up his hands as to say, what, what can I do? Right. There's some of these games where you watch them play and you're like, what can anybody do this team? Again, we'll talk about the players, but individually they have some very good players together. When they play together, they should be one of the better teams in the ACC, if not the country. And I believe at the start of the season, they were one of the few ACC teams that were even ranked and they, they just were, not have they were the, the top 15. I feel like, yeah, yeah they, they were off the final there. four run. Yeah. Bringing mm -hmm. a lot of guys and, back. 
Right. Bringing almost everybody back. They got to transfer. Again, we'll talk about the players. But when we look at the record, 15 and 11 is just not how this season was supposed to go for the Miami Hurricanes. They're six and nine in the ACC. That's 11th. Again, they were picked to finish in some cases, second, third, or fourth uh, behind Duke, UNC, you, you know, Clemson and Virginia were up there. And Miami was supposed to be right there with them. And they're actually struggling towards the bottom of the conference. They're 79th in the net. And when you look at even their home record, 11 and three at home, Jason, the real catch is I wish this game was in Cameron because they're two and seven on the road. That's where they've really been absolutely just destroyed. And they're not taking care of business, or at least they're not beating the teams that would, again, consider, you know, the quad one wins. They're two and seven in quad one wins. They even have a couple of, you know, losses in Q2, quad three, and quad four. Their big wins are against Clemson, UCF. UCF actually played very well yesterday against Florida Atlantic, another Final Four team that faced Miami. Uh, or I'm sorry, didn't face Miami, but they were in the Final Four with Miami last year. Yeah, they beat Georgia, K-State. They've beaten Virginia Tech twice. We know how difficult that is, Jason. And they've beaten Pitt, who has beaten Duke this year at home. The biggest loss that they have, they have again, they have 11 losses, but the biggest loss, the most unforgivable loss, Jason, that one where I said, this man, this man, Coach L, just does not know what's going on with this team. They lost to Louisville at home by nine. And I don't think the nine was that close. They were absolutely blown out of their own gym by, again, a team that we've talked about all year, how historic their struggles have been over the last couple of seasons. They've lost four straight, three which are on the road. Their last win was February 3rd against Wake. But, Jason, the one thing also against against UVA a couple weeks ago, talk about ineptitude. They lost 60-38. to 38. Very few teams in college basketball yeah, wow. score 38 points in a game. We've Man. scored 38 points and a half several times this year. They scored 38 points in an entire game, of which I believe Norm uh, uh, Omir had like 17 of those 38 points. So it was really just one guy playing, and the rest had completely checked out. But Jason, as we've talked about this year, here's the stat I was telling you, preluding to you before we started. We struggle at on the road against Miami. We have done so frequently. Last year, remember, we beat UNC at home. We went down to Miami two days later and got absolutely, utterly dismantled, 81-59. to 59. This is the 20th year of having Miami in the ACC. I know this because my 20 reunion is in the You know it well. (laughs) The last time, Jason, the last time we beat FSU and Miami on the road in the same season. Do you know when that was? Oh, sure. I'll go. Let me let me go 20 years ago. (laughs) Actually, probably not that long ago. Hold on. Uh, Nope. Nope. Let me stop you. You are absolutely correct. Really? 2004-2005 season. The first year Miami was in the ACC. I was at that game. They played, they were two games in a row. They beat Miami on a Wednesday and then FSU on a Saturday on the road. That's the last time we beat both of those teams on the road in the same season. Although it's worth noting, we don't play them both on the road every year. So that's true. But again, but here's the other thing, Jason, I know you were going to talk about that in 20 seasons. We've swept FSU and Miami just seven times. The last time coming in 2020, again, 2005 was one. You had 19, 18, 14, 2010 and 2009. Now I say that to say, this is still a big game, despite the fact that Miami is struggling, despite the fact they've lost four in a row. We still have a couple of revenge tour type of games that we have. This is one of them. We think I know they were talking about that game last year, about how they utterly just did not show up. They did not get on the plane. They didn't even leave Cameron after that win against North Carolina. They absolutely got thumped by Miami. They cannot come out with the same flatness. They cannot come out with the same lack of energy and lack of urgency. As you mentioned, 
This game may not be as important for Miami in the standings portion of things. Yeah, they may want to get closer to the middle of the ACC. But for us, we want to stay close to the top and have a shot at going against North Carolina that final day for a chance to take the regular season crown. To do that, you have to win these type of games. You have to come out with the energy that is expected. And you have to understand that Miami is going to throw everything at this game. There's a couple players who are who are banged up. We'll talk about those later. But on the whole, this is still a solid team, and we have to respect them the way that everybody in the ACC respected them when this year started. Yeah, like you said, we're going to get to the players in a minute. Let me let me do my portion of the preview, which is the Ken Palm, the advanced metrics. This Miami club, as you mentioned, 81st in Ken Palm. Uh, man, if you told me Miami was, wasn't going to be a top 80 team when we played them, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, they were as high as number 36 in Ken Palm back around Thanksgiving. It has been a downhill ride since then. And as you mentioned, they're just one in five in their past six games. In fact, Bart Torvik says that over their past six games, they've been like the 140th best team in the country. Ouch. Not good. Um, so I said 81 in Ken Palm. They're 68th in offense, 111th in defense. That defense is a real problem for them. Let's talk about the offense first, though. Miami team is a pretty good shooting team. They hit 37% from three. That's top 30 in the country. That is a nice percentage from long distance. And about 40% of their shots come from three-point range. So don't be surprised if they fired it up there, you know, like 20-plus times in this game. In fact, I'll be a little surprised if they don't fire it up there 20-plus times in this contest. They hit about 76% at the free-throw line. So like I said, good shooting team translates to being a good free-throw shooting team. That's also top 30 in the country but they do a poor job of holding on to the ball 209th in turnover percentage that's that's bad they're not a good offensive rebounding team either they offensive rebound just 28 percent of their missed shots and they're really bad i mean really bad at getting to the free throw line 333rd at free throw rate this team just doesn't get to the free throw line hardly at all so the strange thing is like they don't get to the free throw line but they also do not put opposing teams on the free throw line. Their free throw allowed rate is like the fifth best in all of college basketball, which is kind of amazing. But Donald, I'm not so sure that's a good thing. Like I said, they're 111th in the country on defense. I actually think the fact they don't put guys in the free throw line may be a sign that they honestly just don't work that hard on defense. They don't really bother to foul you. I mean, look, this is a team that doesn't get a lot of turnovers, 211th in the country at defensive turnover rate, and, and they don't block a lot of shots. They do a pretty good job of not allowing teams to shoot, a, uh, you know, to hit a lot of three-pointers against them, but teams take a ton of threes. Teams hit about 32% of their three-pointers, but get this, more than 45% of the shots taken against Miami are three-pointers. It, it, it that's a remarkable amount of threes that they give up. And that may be the fact that they don't do a good job of stopping teams from taking three pointers. Maybe one reason why they don't pick up a lot of fouls and they don't send teams to the free throw line. Last couple of things I've got for them in the advanced metrics. This Miami team is shockingly bad, like bottom 30 in the country at assist rate. What that means, you can pass the ball around. They're not going to get in your way. And when you pass it around, you can get a good looking three against Miami. Donald, does it sound like I'm talking about Jared McCain? I mean, my goodness. It, 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 I think, look, I, no, way, no way am I saying is he's going to be as hot 
as he was against Florida State. But the type of defense Miami plays, I think, sets up really nicely for Duke to be able to work the ball around, get open three-pointers. And if Jared McCain is feeling any close to the way he was the other day, we could be looking at another game in the mid-20s, maybe even back in the 30s again. Just to add to some of the things you mentioned on defense, the, the fact is when you talk about the way they play defense, you mentioned that they don't foul a lot, and they don't. A lot of teams just let, I mean, they just don't get to the line against them. But as you mentioned, it's because they're very, sometimes they're very, very, uh, it's, it's not that they take plays off, but they're going to let you do your thing and basically allow you to take whatever shot you want and hope it misses. Because Jason, a lot of people have been killing them inside in the paint in a lot of these games. They, 52 percent uh two point percentage rate is what they what they allow so a lot which of teams is high. Are getting, that's high you want to which be is very 50. high they're yeah. getting to the basket people get into the basket and once they get to the basket they're like hey we're just going to go straight up we're not going to foul and allow them to do their thing on on defense this year they've played 26 games as i mentioned they're 15 and 11 they have allowed 80 points nine times duke yeah. has only allowed 80 that's a points big number. three times yeah Number of teams over 70, it's even higher. 17 teams have scored over 70 points. Duke has only allowed 70 points eight times. So the thing about their defense is you're going to get a lot of volume shoots or shots. They, they they have a decent tempo, so it allows for them to uh, – allows for opponents to kind of get more shots, but it's also because they don't rebound as well as you would think this team would be able to rebound. You have a couple of guys who can, but for the most part, a lot of these guys aren't trying to go in and bang because you have some of the guards that are very small. And I think the key here, Jason, is that our guards, for the most part, are much bigger than theirs, right? When you talk about Jeremy Roach, he's not Jeremy Roach's not going to get in there and get 10 rebounds. But if he gets in there and gets like three or four, that's going to be great. Of course, Jeremy Cain has a couple of double doubles in this game in, yeah. in his short career. He's had a couple of games where he's had more than 10 rebounds. Even if he's not scoring, he's going to get in there and again try and get those rebounds. And I know we I know we don't know if Tyrus Proctor is going to be ready to go. My instinct is to say that he's probably going to stay back from this trip as well and maybe be ready for the, for this weekend yeah i agree but, with you. i think that's likely yeah but at the but that means caleb foster needs to step up and do the same thing jalen blake's like he's not again jalen blake's we're not asking him to do rebounds but caleb foster is six five as a guy who's big enough that sh as a guard should be able to go in and get a couple of re rebounds and of course the loose balls so this is an opportunity for duke on offense to get some offensive rebounds so, as you mentioned, move the ball around inside and out. And when they do go to the lane and they go to the hole, expect some contact. I know they're not going to try to do it, but expect it and drive through it. We've talked about that all season. It's something we haven't done well. This is an opportunity to go to the lane and go, hey, I know this guy's not going to try and step out on me. Go to the lane and get, get, to the, get to the basket. And if they do step out on you, it's a block. You're going to the line, and hopefully you're going for an and one. Yeah, well, and I, I think that aspect of the game sets up well for Duke as, as well because we've got our, our our big guys, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski, and even the guards who drive aren't the kind of players who, I've mentioned this before, they aren't the kind of players who drive and say, go ahead and hit me and then I'll finish. <clears throat> our guys are the kind of guys who drive and say, I'm going to use my athleticism, my skill, my length and the such to get a shot up anyway. And we're more trying to finish than we are trying to get fouled against a Miami team that doesn't foul very much, that trying to finish may work really, really well for us. I just think I, I see a lot of things about this game. You know, I, there have been plenty of opponents we've faced recently where I've been like, eh, I'm a little skeptical, a little pessimistic. I feel pretty good about this Miami game. And, you know, I I, I hope I'm not wrong. <laughs> Ken Pomeroy projects 
the Duke wins this game 79 to 73. He has it as a six point margin. I kind of think this is going to be a little bit more than that. I mean, look, Miami's reeling. <laughs> They've lost five of six. They are really reeling. And I think Duke is, I don't want to say we're starting to peak, but I think Duke is, you know, sort of starting to find the combinations and the such that's working better for them. I mean, this Duke team has played way better recently. I I, I like where they stand. In, in spite of the fact that, again, we've had to tinker with our lineup and tinker with our rotations seemingly almost every other game because someone has been out for uh, due to some injury. And so the fact that we have started to kind of put it together, at least in small parts, right? It's not, it's not been a perfect stretch for Duke, but when you look at the win column, we've won a few, you know, won a few in a row. And I think that confidence is building in the fact that, Hey, no matter what adversity is being thrown our way, whether it's injury, whether it's not shooting the ball well, whether it's again, you know, not rebounding well or something like that, we're still able to find what we need to do to win the game. That's no, that's never been more important than it is on Wednesday night when we go down to Miami, because it feels like whenever we go to Miami, the one thing that we never have is intensity and energy. And a couple of these games, the energy and intensity that we have had has led to victory has led to some 50, 50 balls and has led to us getting points off of those 50, 50 balls. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond to that. And again, I'd love to have Tyrus Proctor there, but health is 100%. So if he's not hundred percent healthy, I, I I'm fine with him staying back in Durham and, and continuing to rest and, and get right because we're going to need him down the stretch. We're going to need all of them down the stretch and not just 50% of them. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up health because we're going to take a quick break. But on the other side, we're going to talk about this Miami team in terms of the players out there. And frankly, it's a little bit of a mystery who's going to play because they have been so banged up. Health is a major concern for the Hurricanes. That story in just a second. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit betterhelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Duke Roundup. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Donald, we're back from the break. And let's talk about Miami in terms of exactly who they have and who plays for them. This is not a very deep Miami club. They really play like five or six guys. And frankly, it depends on how healthy they are. They have been unbelievably banged up this season. Bensley Joseph is the only guy in the team who's played in all their games this year. And, and I mean, that's that's saying something. And, and it's not so much that they've been missing guys for like, oh, five, six, eight games in a row. It's the guys have been trying to gut their way through it. But they aren't practicing as much. Like they're they're taking it easy in practice because they're trying to be healthy enough for games. And I think that's a lot of what's created problems for them. Nigel Pack, the guard who's been there for a couple of years now, who who you know was a player, a, a, a all Big Twelve player when he was at Kansas State, and hasn't been quite as good since coming to Miami. Really struggling this year. He has been dealing with an ankle injury. He's been trying to play through it, and frankly, playing poorly as a result. He finally just decided to sit out the BC game over the weekend. I've got no idea, no word yet whether he's going to play against Duke. Wooga Poplar has been playing in games, but missing practices. And, uh, you know, he was able to, he missed a few games, I think. And then he finally came back and played over the weekend against BC. Although they said he was still banged up. Frankly, all five regular starters from Miami have missed multiple games this year. This team just has not been able to practice together that much. All right, I, there's a lot more I can say about the guys that that do play, but I'll let you take the lead first. Who you want to talk about on this Miami team that's really worth mentioning? Jason, when you look at all of these players, right, we, we've talked about the fact that Miami was so heralded at the start of the season because of some of these guys we're going to talk about. Each one of them heralded in their own right. You have No Shot Romian, who is an all-ACC type of player. Matthew Cleveland, we've seen him at Florida State. He transferred to Miami. It was a really big deal him to be there his stats have actually gone up this year but it feels like he hasn't fit in with the rest of the offense on Miami Nigel Pack you just talked about him all big 12 type of player when he transferred to Miami a couple of years ago his stats have increased every year since he's arrived in Coral Gables and again he's going to take shot if he does play he's going to take shots from the, from the logo he's going to take long long threes but also is going to try and drive and distribute 
But really, I think, Jason, the one guy this year that has been there, there's two guys that we need to key on. Wuga Poplar, as you mentioned, you've, you've talked about him, but Norshad Armier is their guy, right? He's the he's been the the guy that that brings the lunch pail every single game he plays. And again, you know, he's been banged up as well. 17.8 points per game, almost nine, almost 10 rebounds a game. So he's almost averaging a double double. 60% from the floor, 37% from three. He's going to play inside, but he's going to bring it back outside for threes. Norshad Armier is one of the really, really great players that this conference has. He's 6'7", 240. We've seen him destroy us last year. He was just an absolute beast and kind of came out of nowhere because uh, he transferred from Arkansas State and became this mythical creature that was just destroying everybody that he touches. But at the end of the day, Norshad Armier is only one guy. And I think the one guy that they were excited about and that they show flashes of brilliance is Keyshawn George. And I know you want to talk about Keyshawn George, but really quickly, the, the kid came in and he was a very heralded freshman. A lot of NBA scouts are looking at him. And I think the one thing that has plagued him this year, and we talk about his stats, is that he, just like many freshmen, he's been incredibly inconsistent. And there's been games where he is on and you can't stop him. And there's been games where you, he disappears. And I think that's really been kind of how eb the ebb and flow of all of these players that we're going to talk about with Miami. Yeah, let me start with Omir. And and you mentioned that he's, you know, listed 6'7", 240. I got news for you, Donald. I think he's more like 6'5". <laughs> he, he's he's just, for a, for a big man, for a guy who's playing in the post, he's not that tall. But I got news for you. You just cannot move him. He is so physically strong. I'm going to give you a comparison. This is old school, but I'm going to tell you. Omir really reminds me of Charles Barkley. Mm -hmm. An undersized big man who has strength and skill to play with dudes six-plus inches taller than him. Charles Barkley, I think, was listed at 6'7". Everyone's like, Charles is 6'3". Yeah, I think he was listed at 6'4". Um, yeah, what? Yeah, but people were like... Built like a square, right? Yeah. Like, he's just exactly. the shape of a square. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Omir is, as you mentioned, a relentless rebounder, finishes around and through you. I mean, like, he hits 65% of his two-point shots. And one of the big things about him, he is a sneaky defender. He is very quick off the floor, so he can block shots, even though we said he's not that tall. Um, he can get steals. He can, frankly, step outside and shoot threes. Not often, but he'll take one or two three-pointers a game, and he he knocks them down at a, at a pretty decent rate. Man, he is very adept at drawing fouls and hitting his free throws. He, he is just – look, he's a rival player, and he has killed Duke in the past. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. I love watching Norchad Omir play. Mm -hmm. He is a He's a fun – player to to watch him operate in the post and if i'm miami i think that my first second and third plan of attack is get the ball to omir in the post and see if he can get kyle filipowski in foul trouble that is a major part of how i think miami's going to probably attack this game and then the other guy you mentioned that i wanted to talk about for a minute is, is Keyshawn george you know the interesting thing about him is he was not that highly touted a recruit when he originally arrived at miami um, like 24 seven, two, four, seven had him as the 40th best shooting guard in the class, barely a top 250 recruit. Ordinarily a guy like that coming into the ACC is going to sit for a while and try and develop and maybe become a player like as a junior or something like that. Uh-uh. Keyshawn George from the moment he arrived on campus, people were like, Oh wait, this dude better than we expected. Now, by the way, he, he came from Switzerland. He was the number one player. He's the number one Swiss player coming in. <laughs> not a lot of Swiss guys, uh, but he came from Switzerland. I think that's part of why people didn't know a ton about him, but six, seven. 
I mean, you know, we're talking about a really, really nice size for a guy who, who frankly plays a little bit like a guard, plays a lot like a guard. And yeah, you're right. The NBA is very, very interested in this dude. He's hitting better than 42% of his three-point shots during uh, ACC games. A year, you know, when he first arrived, people would have said, oh, he's going to be there for several years. There are plenty of mock drafts that are now saying that Keyshawn George is absolutely a first rounder. Um, and and uh, you mentioned the inconsistency against Boston College. He scored zero points, but he's had games where mm -hmm. he's been in the 20. Like they played Wake Forest earlier this year. He had 21 points in that game, five of nine on three pointers. Like he can explode on you. You got to be careful. And, and just because of his size, he presents a real challenge from a defensive standpoint. And when you, you know, see him out on the wing, right? Like you mentioned, he, he does hit 42% of his threes. He is going to shoot threes, right? He's not a guy that just takes one or two a game. He's going to take maybe three or four a game. But at the end of the day, he also crashes the boards from the wing. And there's been a lot of times where you see him do put back dunks because uh, he's obviously tall enough to go get it. But he also is energetic enough to kind of see a lane. So whoever's out there, again, perimeter defense, whenever a shot goes up, they just got to put a body on him because if they do, even on the long rebounds, they're coming out to a Jared McCain or a Caleb Foster, right? And then you can go the other way. I will say also, when you compare him with some of the other guards, Wuga Poplar also shoots 42% from three. He's going to take a lot of threes. Nigel Pack, as I mentioned, if he does play, he shoots 36%. But again, all of his threes feel like they're like from 30 feet. He's shooting from logos. He's shooting from, you know, where it says the uh, uh, Watsko Center. He's shooting from, from those type of marks on the floor. He's not shooting the the corner threes. He wants to take the long bombs because if they go in, he understands the momentum that can come with that. So he's going to try and do that. But again, that's going to lend itself to a very long rebound. And so all these, and, and Wuga Popper is the same thing. Wuga Popper will go in the corner. He beat us really bad last year with his three point shooting. Uh, when yeah. we played him, um, that was the one where like, Oh, if Wuga Popper has like 10 points, we'll be fine. And he like had like 15 in the first half or something like that. Cause he just nailed all these threes. So, but when those guys are in the game, you have to check them. You have to see where they are in the court. But also Nigel Pack, if he's in the game, the one thing that they were missing the other day is that he's one of the main distributors of the ball, too. So he's going to be a guy that's going to try and pass the ball and get people involved. And when he's not in the game, they really struggle to find offense other than giving it to somebody and letting them take the rest of the, you know, rest of the opposition one on five. So you can't so you can't let them do that. And then Matthew Cleveland, I, I I struggled to understand how his stats have gone up since he's come to Miami, but somehow just doesn't feel like he's as effective in this offense. They haven't figured out a way to really get him incorporated. Again, a lot of the times he'll take it one-on-one -on -one and try to try to break a man down. But at the same time, he's going to be active on the glass. He averages about six rebounds a game. He's going to be active in passing the ball, and he's going to be active in the passing lanes. If you remember from Florida State, he was one of the guys that liked to try and throw him throw his body into a passing lane to try and steal a ball and it gets you know about one and a half steals a game but he was the kind of guy that's going to try and go for uh, some of that so if that happens hey Chris passes get it to the guy but if he misses then turn around because the rest of the defense I told you how ineffective they've been whenever they go for a steal and they miss it they do not rotate and that means somebody's open usually underneath get it to Mark Mitchell in the post where he likes to find that area where nobody's at like right underneath the basket find him or get it to flip, get it to the rim. And again, get two points. Hey, last thing I'll say about these guys, you know, look, we, we mentioned Norchad Elmir and Matthew Cleveland, the only two sort of big guys on this team. And then we've talked about Nigel Pack, Wuga Poplar, Bensley Joseph and Keyshawn George. All four of those guys have taken more than a hundred 
three-pointers on the season. There's only one player on Duke. Jared McCain's the only guy on Duke who's shot 100 three-pointers in the season. Miami has four guys who've taken more than 100. We haven't really mentioned anybody else, and the reason for that is there's nobody else who's even like playing double-digit minutes. There are a couple guys who get time here and there, but really it's those six guys who are getting virtually all the minutes for Miami. And again, we mentioned there have been guys who've been banged up, guys who haven't been um, uh, haven't been able to play in games occasionally and haven't been practicing. And as a result, even though I said they've got six guys who play a lot, most games they only have five of them available. <laughs> so right. that's a real problem. And also, Jason, you mentioned uh, outside of Keyshawn George, all these guys are juniors. So all these guys have experience in the ACC. They have experience exactly. in, in other conferences. So they're crafty as well. They like to try and use that to their advantage sometimes, especially against a younger team. But the great thing is we have a couple of guys. This is where the sophomores need to under, need to show up. This is where Ryan Young needs to step up and be like, because remember, yeah. remember that game last year, Jason? Ryan Young, we talked on the show. Ryan Young was the only guy on that team that that like showed up to play and, and like brought the lunch pail and actually gave us some some quality minutes in that game against Miami. He needs to tell them, hey, we cannot have a repeat of what we did last year because they won't blow us out of the gym. I think the last thing, Jason, when you talk about the number of guys that they do have on their bench that they don't like to go to, the one time that Coach L will go to his bench is when guys get into foul trouble. He does not like having guys play with two fouls because he wants them for the whole game. And so he'll try to take them out at least for an extended stretch to try and you know stem the bleeding until he's able to feel comfortable putting them back in. So again, if you get a team like that, like not you know, like Wuka Poplar or really Norshan Armia, if you get if he gets two, he's sitting for a at least a little bit, and that's where you need to take advantage, especially when he's out of the game, off the glass, and again, just the rotations. Once ever get guys check into the game, they don't quite rotate well on defense, and at least a lot of open shots, as we've talked about with them passing the ball around. All right, well that's going to wrap it up for us on the latest edition of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We'll be back at you after the Miami game. And uh, this is a big one, folks. We, we need the Blue Devils to go out there and get keep this road win streak going for us. That'd be a nice thing to have happen. This hey. is big for me. This is big for me, Jason. I don't oh, need yeah, to you got text friends. messages. All yes. right. I got friends and I don't need, I don't need to hear from them <laughs> on Wednesday night. <laughs> Look, that's like I, for folks who don't know, my whole family are Carolina fans. Like everyone in my family, when we play UNC, it ratchets things up like another level for me with my damn cousins and everybody texting me like, Oh, we, I just I don't, nah, I don't want to get into it. We don't need it. But we I, don't need I, it. I sympathize with you, Donald. I, I'm there for you. <laughs> All right. For Donald, I'm Jason. This is the Duke Band. They're here to play us out and take us home. I forget. Did I tell you about Cameron? That he uh, they had the procedure or whatever. Oh no! Um, was so it... he had the procedure. They took out a lump. Mm -hmm. They they biopsied it, and the pathology report is that it's a fairly aggressive form of cancer. We are not going to do any chemo. I won't do that to a dog that doesn't understand mm -hmm. what the hell's going on, especially a thirteen year, almost thirteen and a half, fourteen year old dog. Um, I'm not going to put him through that. So. He's happy. He's great right now. We're taking walks and everything, but they think probably six months or so. And once I'm sorry, man. That's yeah, I know that's difficult. That it's part of yeah, the family, it, man. It's it it really sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. So but, but, I, I, I'm my my guess is you're gonna once everything kind of starts deteriorating, you're just like, okay, that's gonna be 
yeah, I, I don't want him to, yeah. to feel the pain or, or discomfort or anything like that. And so they're, the doctor's given me a number of things to look out for to say, okay, this is an indication that he's not doing well anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and then, um, and then we'll take, we'll take care of it. it. It's, it's horrible, but I will not put him through chemo. Yeah. I, I, no I, way. I totally get that. And I hope that, I hope these remaining months, have, I hope they're as long as possible. Right. I hope it's, yeah. Hope you don't have to worry about this for a long time, but hopefully it's, as fruitful as possible. I know that's, I know it's your boy. Yeah. He's doing great right now. I mean, we've been taking walks like every day and he's, he is as active and energetic at 13 and a half as he was when he was three. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I try not to think about it too much, but it really, it gets me down. It gets me down. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Well, he's allowed to speak on the podcast at any time still. <laughs> still say, so, you know, he used to, we used to hear him a lot more because mm -hmm. when he was younger, he would bark He'd be more. energetic. He'd be running now he's like, you know, his hearing isn't quite what it used to be. And <laughs> he spends a lot of the day sleeping. He loves sleeping. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so generally when I'm doing the podcast, he comes like right now, he's, he's sort of lay, about five feet away from me, laying down, not just moving. Sleep, sleep. He's yep. just sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is actually, because I do the podcast now from my basement office, um, there's not like cars driving by or people coming to the right. door for him to see. When I used to do it in the in the family room, there was he was like 15 feet there was, away. There right was at stimulation. That <laughs> yeah, there's stimulation. There's just you. It's just you. He, he's just listening to you talk to me. So. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, good boy.